Welcome to the Author's Way podcast, a journey to finding your voice. I believe that our stories are powerful, our experience have helped to teach us important lessons, and our stories help us to use those lessons to teach others. Stay tuned to hear some great stories and learn how you can use your own stories to raise your professional profile, promote your brand, and become a published author. Hey there. Welcome to the Author's Way podcast, the journey to finding your voice. My name is Jennifer Wright, and I am your podcast host. So we have a great interview today with Tyler Wagner. He is the owner of a company called Authors Unite. He helps authors to get into the process and get through the process of writing a book, everything from the writing, ghostwriting, to editing, to book design, all the way through marketing, getting your book, working on getting your book on the New York Times bestseller list, and then going the next step after you become a bestseller, the next step of the, what you do with that from a marketing and media perspective. So we're going to have a great conversation today. He's going to share with us some information about what it takes to become a bestseller, what it means to become a bestseller, and what you can do with that to help grow your book, help grow your business, or get yourself added to the market. So it's going to be a great conversation. I'm looking forward to it. We'll be doing that next, but first, I wanted to share with you a little bit about the sponsor today. This podcast is sponsored by ExecuWrite. We are a book publishing and book writing firm. We help business owners and professionals to raise their professional profile, to increase their credibility out in the market, and to get their words out into the world by writing and publishing their books. So if you have a book in your head, in your heart, in your soul, and you want to get it out into the world, and you're not sure how to get started, or you're not sure how to finish, Take a look at our website. That's execurite.com. That's E-X-E-C-Q-W-R-I-G-H-T.com. Take a look at our program. Schedule a strategy session with us. I would love to hear your story and hear what you've got going on and see what we can do to help. Again, that's execurite.com. And now let's have a conversation with Tyler. All right. Hi, Tyler. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. I am really excited about having a conversation about we about you with you. I get a lot of questions about the publishing process and then specifically things like, you know, how do I become a bestseller? What do I do? How do I market my book? How do I get my book, you know, get my book sold? You know, how do I use my book? So I think you have a lot of expertise in this area. And I'm, Real happy that you're here and can and can share some of that with us. So do you want to start out by just telling telling the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, for sure. So I guess I could start. I'll kind of give the origin story of how I started the business and then mm -hmm. you know, what we do. So basically I was 19 and at 19, and actually I'll leave the book until later. So I'm not going to say the book. <laughs> okay. But so I was 19, I made a decision to drop out of college. And actually I, I wrote my first book shortly after. And the reason was, is because I actually wanted to be a public speaker. And I thought <laughs> the only way for people to take 
you know, a 19 year old dropout seriously would for me to be a best-selling author. And I had also came to the realization from going to multiple events that a lot of speakers were best-selling authors. So it just kind of like clicked for me that that was not a necessary prerequisite, but it made the process easier if you went that route first. So I launched a book called Conference Crushing, became a bestseller on Amazon. This was like 11 years ago. And then what happened after that is people just started asking me how I did it. So 10, 11 years later, I run a company called Authors Unite, where we write, edit, publish, and market books for people. And then we have things that we also offer our clients after the fact to help them like grow their companies online. So that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah, that's a great story. So you've been in the business for quite a few years. So you've seen a lot, you've seen a lot of things change, I imagine. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen since you've been doing this? Yeah. So, well, actually that kind of perfectly leads into the bestseller list is like, mm -hmm. that's one of the biggest things I've seen. Cause that's what we're pretty much, that's what we're known for in the industry is a lot of publishers and other companies that work with authors, they refer to us to do that specific tasks for their clients, like PR agencies and stuff. So Amazon bestseller 10, 11 years ago was a way bigger deal than it is now. And I think the reason for that is, and to be clear to the audience, I think becoming an Amazon bestseller is still better than not being a bestseller. Mm -hmm. So definitely do it. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's kind of been figured out that it's a categorical way of doing things. And you could literally, if you put it in an easy enough category, you could sell like 20 books in a day and become a bestseller. So, you know, look, at the end of the day, I'm all about branding and things. So 99% of the world doesn't know that. So it depends how right. you personally feel about it. And you do what you want to do with that information. Like you could put it in an easy category, have 20 of your friends buy it in one day. You're a bestseller. You know, there you go. <laughs> That's the strategy. Right. So, but regardless, about six years ago, I realized that, that it was becoming less and less of a big deal because of the strategy being kind of figured out, at least by the industry. So what I decided to do was master Barnes and Noble bestseller, USA Today, Wall Street, and New York Times. And still to this day, like some people can do Barnes and Noble, but the other three, I don't really know, unless you're already famous, it's very unlikely yeah. that hit those lists. So, so that's the biggest change I've seen. It's just like a shift in the bestseller list that people want to hit. And it, it started with Amazon and now it's like Wall Street Journal and New York Times. That's a shift I've seen. Okay. So what's kind of the strategy? I mean, how, if those, if those two things are, it sounds like a little bit elusive for heading. So what can someone who isn't already famous? I mean, do to help raise their visibility and, you know, raise their chances of being able to, to get on those lists. Yeah. So I'll explain, um, I'll do New York times last. Cause that one's like completely different than all the other ones. So Barnes and Noble, that one is similar to Amazon in the sense that you, you know, you might need like hundred to 200 sales in a day. And that's actually like a top 100 list. So that's okay. just how their algorithms work. For USA Today, Wall Street Journal, they work very similar. You really need about 5,000 sales in a week to hit those lists. Depends on the competition of the week, but 5,000, you should be good. 6,000 or more, you're definitely, you're, you're going to hit. 
And the only difference though, is USA Today, you need at least 500 sales in a secondary bookstore. So like if you had like 20,000 sales that just went through Amazon, you'd probably miss USA Today because you don't have 500 plus sales in another bookstore. So when we do our campaigns, let's just say our client gets 10,000 sales in a week, it would look something like 9,000 Amazon, 1,000 Barnes and Noble. They would hit USA Today, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, obviously, and Wall Street Journal. So all four of them. And then Wall Street Journal has various lists. USA Today, I should say it's a top 150 and it's all genres. So it includes fiction, nonfiction, pretty much everything. Wall Street Journal is broken up into like six categories and they're all top 10. So like top 10 nonfiction ebook, top 10 nonfiction hardcover combined. And then they actually have fiction lists as well. So essentially though, the tracker for Wall Street Journal, we focus on the nonfiction side. If you're looking in the nonfiction category of Amazon, like the top 10 eBooks in that category for the week, it's almost a direct translation of what the Wall Street Journal is going to be. So if you were to track that, you could predict what the Wall Street the week after is going to be and how we do it. So the next question logically would be like, how do you get that many sales, right? So the way that we do it and why clients pay us is we have these large email lists and you, you probably know of some of these lists out there. Have you ever heard of like BookBub or like Bargain? Mm -hmm. So right. what I did, yeah, so you, so you know of them is like, if you go to Google, type in ebook promotion sites, there's thousands of them. Like there's tons of them. Most of them, and I know from losing lots of money trying them out, don't work. They're either a scam or they just don't produce results, one or the other, maybe both. And regardless though, through trial and error and wasting you know, a good amount of money. Luckily it paid off, but I came to find ones that would consistently like get my clients results. So we would do like an Amazon bestseller campaign and we put it in an easy category and then we'd wake up the next day and the client would have like 500 sales. And I was like, okay, that wasn't me. That wasn't the client. So it must've been the email list. Right. And then I basically collected the founders of, or no, I shouldn't say founder, like the owners of the email list and was like, look, if I can bring you all under my roof, I think we can start hitting the major lists. And so we don't have to just do like small Amazon campaigns. We can go for the big lists, which are, you know, you can charge a lot of money for, for that because there's really no competition. Ultimately, that's how we do it. We have email lists in the millions and we blast books out to them. We discount the ebook to 99 cents for a week and it just drives sales into the thousands and tens of thousands and then it hits the list. So that's how those work. And so if you wanted to try to do it on your own, you know, essentially you could do it any marketing you can think of. You just need to figure out a way to get 5,000 sales in a week for Wall Street Journal and then USA Today, same thing, but 500 plus sales on Barnes and Noble as well. So that's how those work. Now, New York Times, completely different. You can never guarantee it. It's not based on sales alone. Basically, it's complicated. So I'll try to explain it the best I can. So what you'd want to do is like a pre-order campaign and you start at least six months in advance, ideally nine months to a year. And say if you had like a course and I'm actually using a client in my mind, I just can't say the name of them, but a course and you essentially the course is valued at $1,500, let's say. And we did a pre-order through it 
And we said, look, you can get the course for free if you buy the pre-order of the book for 30 bucks. And he already had a pretty decent following. So this was like a no-brainer deal for a lot of people. And so we did like affiliate marketing, Facebook ads, clubhouse rooms, like a lot of different things. 21,000 pre-orders came through that website and we collected the money in a separate account, the customer data, and then you take the money and the name and address of those people and you process the orders through like 10 different bookstores, sometimes more than 10, but the foundation's like 10. And these are like books a million and like boutique New York shops that New York Times looks at. And then he got number eight on the New York Times list. So same thing as USA Today, if you shot 20,000 sales through Amazon alone, you would not hit the New York Times, most likely. You really want to diversify in certain bookstores. So that's how they all work. That's how it is. Nice. So you talk about secondary bookstores. So we all know about Barnes & Noble. We all know about Amazon. You mentioned Books A Million. What are some of the other other bookstores? It's small, you know, small. Yeah, so like. Locally um, owned bookstores. Do those yeah, figure? Yeah, Okay. 100%. And what you essentially do is you like contact the bookstore with the name, the money and the address, and then you process the orders or well, they process them, but you provide the money and data and then the retail, right? For the book. And then they funnel them through and it sends off to the customer. And what a lot of people do, which if you're going for New York times, you wouldn't want to do if it goes through Amazon, then you can't control how the books processed. Right. So you want to take it through the website and look, it can be, I mean, obviously we have systems built around it now, but it is a logistical nightmare. I'm sure. (laughs) It sounds like it. It sounds like it. It's, I actually steer people away from it most of the time, unless you like are ready to invest multiple six figures and like, you got to build a brand, build a following, have like features in the media, like what shows up when people Google your name. With the New York Times, everything is in play. And you can't necessarily say it's true or not, but let's just say you politically lean right. We can all agree New York Times is more left-leaning, right? Like, I think that's a fair thing to say. You know, that could be part of the decision. You could actually have, like, there's stories out there of people that have gotten, like, 50,000 sales in a week, and they don't hit the New York Times. You know, we don't know for sure, but, like, it, everything matched up that they should have hit, and then they don't. You got to be careful about who you are publicly. There's a lot more that goes into it. Whereas Wall Street Journal, you get 5,000 sales. Doesn't matter who you are, what comes up when you Google, you could be a criminal. <laughs> You'll get on there. Or probably, I don't know. I've never launched a criminal's book, but like maybe. Is there any value in knowing what other, and, and this may be hard to plan for, but does it help to know, so for instance, if Anderson Cooper is launching a book that, that, on that same week, if there's other things that are happening at that same time that might prevent you, can you predict, is there anything you can predict that way? A hundred percent, yes. So you can look on Amazon and basically just check in the nonfiction category if there's any books that are on pre-order, right? And like mm-hmm. when they're releasing and then you could make decisions based on that for sure. And what I'd say too, is there is like seasons typically with this, Mm -hmm. like 
in the summer months, June, July, August, those three in particular, they are typically the easiest. There's not that many celebrities launching books around that time frame. So like our clients, even last week, our client hit number one on the Wall Street Journal. That's way more typical in the summer months. Whereas like November, December, January, February, those is when like a lot of the self-help, the health, because it's like New Year's resolution and holidays and stuff. That's going to be way more competitive. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So then, so you do all of this work. It's, and it, it, it sounds like it's just a big marketing campaign. So then what, what do you then do with it? What, what's the value of, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of work that goes into it. What's the payoff? Yeah. Right. So it's interesting, right? And I, when I get on a call with people, like literally my first question besides, you know, who you are, where you're from, you know, get to get to know you. But my first like business question is like, why are you doing this? Or like, what result are you trying to get out of doing this? Because, you know, our prices for this are ranging from 9,500 to 300K. So this is like a lot of money. And I don't want, I've never viewed business as like a short-term thing. So I don't want somebody to pay me and then then not be happy with the result. And the reason I, I led all the way up to that is like some people, no lie, it's an ego thing. And people, t- they're like, you know, I just want to put this on my social media. I want to tell my friends I'm a Wall Street Journal bestseller. That's why I'm paying you. And that's it. And that's fair. If that's the reason, here's right. what's going to happen. You're going to pay 60K and we're going to get on average 10,000 sales, let's say 99 cents. At 99 cents, you make 30% royalty from Amazon. If you have a book publisher, you make less. So you're going to pay 60. You're going to get two to three grand back. That's not a very good investment. Okay. But if there is a business on the back end, let's say that we have actual case studies and actually one of my clients, his name's Dan Henry. So I can talk publicly on this one. He interviewed me and he had, his book was a perfect, like a funnel that led into a webinar that then sold a $10,000 course. And he five times his ROI before he hit the Wall Street Journal, right? So we sent all the traffic to his book. I think he got like 12,000 sales, a couple thousand opt-ins to his email list. And then he had, I believe it was, so eight times 10,000, it was 20, yeah, 25 people then around 25 bought his $10,000 course, right? So Um. it wasn't from the book sales, but it was because he had hyperlinks in his ebook that our traffic opted into and then became a higher level client. So my point to bring that up is if you have a business on the back end of the book, then it makes a lot of sense to do this because the Wall Street Journal bestseller brand, you know, you can use that forever, builds trust with your clientele and also your readers can become higher level clients. Right. Right. So yeah, that's how you use it. If you're a public speaker, I think it's a good thing to do. It makes sense because I've had clients where they used to charge like five grand and now they charge 10 to 30 grand for a keynote. What's interesting about that is I think that's how it works, but I also think it's a mental thing. Like once you hit Wall Street Journal bestseller, you feel like you're like worth charging more. So then you do, and then they buy it. Whereas you maybe could have charged that before you just like didn't feel worthy of it, you know? So it's kind of a mental thing too. Yeah. Well, and maybe you go after bigger stages too. 
Totally. Yeah. Cause yeah. now you are like, I'm a best-selling author. So now I feel like I should be on that stage. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of ways to leverage it, but to just answer your question on the flip side is like, if you're not going to do anything with it, if this is like, if this is not going to make you feel better about yourself, ego, if you don't have a business on the back end, if you're not a public speaker and so on, and this is like, you're trying to make money on book sales, terrible idea. Like definitely don't do it. So yeah, that's, that's what I would say about it. Cause you're not going to make, you're just not like, it would take a long time to make your money back on book sales. If you ever do is that's the other part too, is it's not even guaranteed that you will. So yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So talk a little bit about, explain a little bit more about using a book to grow your business. I talk to a lot of, a lot of authors and they're always curious about how am I going to sell my book or that, you know, they'll say things like, you know, I'm not sure I want to write a book because I'm afraid I won't be able to sell it. And we talk a lot about how do, what's the other ROI in a book? You know, how else can you use it? And having that business on the back end, I think is, it's one of the really great ways to, to use that. Yeah. So the thing about books, I think, is it's one of the best investments you can make, right? So if you think about it, like a book is anywhere from 99 cents to $20 typically. And if you read, and not every book is of the highest value, but like think about certain books like Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon. If you read that whole book and like embody what it teaches you, was that worth $10? You know, I mean, it definitely is worth way more than that. So like, the thing with a book that I always tell people is I think you should just deliver as much value as you can in it. Don't try to like hold anything back and be like, Hey, read this and then click here, opt in to get the rest. I think give it all away. 99% of people are not going to be able to do it on their own regardless. So provide as much value as possible and kind of a trick just to sidestep for a second. Most of a book, regardless of what it's about should be story-based. Right. So a lot of nonfiction books, they, they try to be tactical. What you really want to do is have it be like, this sounds a little overkill, but I think it should be like 95% story. Right. No yeah. violent, and then just sprinkle in the steps that they need to do, but make it mostly about the story. And cause that's what happens. People read a story. It like impacts them and then they share it with their friends and then it has a life of its own. So, so yeah, you do that. And then basically from there, you can kind of like use that as your main marketing piece, right? So you're, say you're at an event and there's like 500 people there and you have a course that's thousands of dollars, 500 people can't, not all 500 people can access that. Like not everybody can afford that, mm -hmm. but they can all afford a $10 book. So that should, it's, it becomes basically like your front end, your front facing thing for everything. And then it leads into all your other, your consulting, your courses, your speaking. So that's, I think the bigger picture is like, it opens a lot of doors and it just like, it, it can be the foundation of your entire brand and makes life easier too. Like for me, 19, I was getting paid thousands of dollars to speak on stages, like about networking at conferences. And I did not feel worthy. Like it was literally just the title of bestselling author that changed it. You know, people are like, oh, he's a bestseller, must be legit. And I was like, dude, I just dropped out of college. I don't know anything <laughs> besides the few books I'd read. You know, I just like the perception of that brand is huge. So 
it's just the way the world works. So it's like, you can take advantage of it or not. I think you should, right? I mean, why not? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I love the fact of what you're talking about here with, with really kind of thinking about how the boat can serve your business and, and sort of your clients. I am a huge fan of giving information away. And I know a lot of people say, no, don't do that. But I'm, I'm a big fan of it because I think it just increases your credibility, increases, you know, your visibility. And, you know, like you said, not everyone is going to be able to do it themselves. They are going to need help. Even if they read the book, you know, cover to cover, they're still going to need help. And that's where, and that's where your business can really help to provide that for them. So that's great. What about any tips you have for the reader on you know, any of the marketing tips, you know, how do, how do we really, you know, even if you decide not to go to the bestseller route, you know, what are some things that, that we can do as authors that help to get our name out there more in order to help not only sell the book, but, you know, get the books in the hands of your audience and, and ultimately, you know, build your client base using that. So my, my best method, and we actually have a course on this, it's called infinite partnership system. And it's how I grew my business. And basically it's like thinking of partnerships at scale. So I'll just, I'll use my own company just cause it's the easiest example I can think of. So, and just a, a warning, this might, this might sound a little crazy. So just hear me out though, cause it does work. So basically we discovered that for all of our services, our best partner would be book publishers, ghostwriters, editors, and PR agencies, those four types of companies. And the reason is because they work with large groups of authors, um, which is our clientele. So my brain for some, it's just the way I'm wired, I guess it just doesn't, I don't ever think of going straight to the customer. I'm always trying to think of like, how can I build a partnership with someone that already has like hundreds or thousands of my customers, the trust is already built and we can mutually like contribute to each other by like referring people to each other. So literally no lie for the past, probably like I'm going to get like five years or so. We have reached out to like thousands of these types of individuals every week. Right now we're doing about over a thousand a day of messages to also other job titles. Those are just our top four, but there's others out there. And we just send a simple message that says potential collaboration. Hey, their name. I noticed we both work with authors. There might be ways we can collaborate. That's all it says. And then let's just say, I don't know the exact stats, but probably around like a 40% response rate because it kind of perks curiosity. And it's not like a pitch. It's just like, hey, you work with authors. I work with authors. Maybe we can do something together. Who knows? So they respond, then my sales team responds back, sets up a time to talk with them and we just learn more about them. They learn more about us. And then, you know, from there we build a referral relationship if it's a fit. So if you do that at scale, like imagine if you had like tens of thousands of partners, right? Then you would wake up every day to, you know, at least like 10 or so referrals probably. And that's kind of what our business is. Like every day I wake up, look at the email and there's like at least 10 referrals. And it's because we took the time to build up those partnerships. And what I love about that marketing method is, look, it's not like Facebook ads where once you turn them off, the traffic stops. This is like for life. And essentially what ends up happening is 
you start to build other products and services with your top partners because you just figure out, you're like, oh, wow, you can do this. We can do this. We're both the best at our own thing. If we put it together, it's like of a new value. And then you create a different thing. So either way, and there's no risk. There's, there is no risk. It, it takes right. time, but there's no money up front or anything. So that's what I would do. And it works for every business. Like what you do from my understanding, like you could actually partner with all the same people I partner with. Yeah. And it would work the same way. So no matter what your business is, if you can sit back and just think like, who would be my top partners that offer complimentary services and through LinkedIn and website reach outs, those are the best way to contact these people and just build referrals at scale and you'll be set. If you, you know, this is obviously saying that you have a good product or service, right? That's the prerequisite. Right, but right. if you do, then the way to go to like the moon is to just build, like, I plan on trying to build like a million partnerships. Like, why not? You know? Right. Right. Why not? <laughs> yeah. not work. Well, and you know, I mean, none of us can do anything. I mean, we don't do anything by ourselves. It may, you know, it may feel like it sometimes, but successful people, don't become successful by themselves. 100%. So, yeah, it's really leveraging, you know, the expertise of, of other people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I love that idea. You know, I can think of so many different businesses that could use a very similar type of model, not just, you know, not just this. So that's a, it, it's a great model. And yeah. it sounds like you've been very successful with it. Yeah, no, it, it works. And well, I'm sure you put like show notes, we'll put the course there somewhere and people can see like, it's crazy how well it works. And I actually think it works for no matter if you're five, six, seven, eight, nine figure business. It sh I mean, it should work right. at any level, but I actually like it the most for people that are in the beginning because that's where it's the hardest because right. that say if you like have a marketing budget of only 10 grand, that's where it's like the toughest to like, where do I put this? So this scenario puts you in a position where like, you don't have to risk your whole marketing budget, like just do this. So I don't know. That's why I like it is it doesn't put businesses in a situation where they can like go bankrupt. You know, there's like no chance of that happening. So. So if we're talking about a, an author, then, you know, using that, how does that, you know, you're building these partnerships. How can an, how can an author kind of, you know, if someone is, you know, writing their own book kind of doing this themselves, how can they maybe leverage some of those same, same principles? Yeah. And again, I'll use my own example. And I, in the beginning, I didn't plan it out. Like I, I wasn't aware it was going to unfold like this, but then once I realized it, I just went all in on it. So I wrote the book conference crushing, which is how to network at conferences. That's what it's about. So what I started to do is reach out to conference coordinators. And I would be like, hey, like I'll speak at your event. Here's my fee. Or you can buy 500 copies of my book and then give it away to all your attendees. And what some of them would do is they would actually buy them and mail them out prior to, to the event. And then people get very short read. It's like 70 pages. So you could literally read it like on the flight to the, uh, to the conference. And so that was a way of me just being able, I just would Google conferences in Austin, Texas or something. I'd just pick cities and then I'd find them. I'd reach out to them, have a call with them, explain. And they'd be like, yeah, this is a value add for my attendees. Like come speak and I'll buy a hundred books or whatever it is. 
So that's a way. So whatever your book's about, just think about, say your book is on how to grow a business. Let's just say it's about that using Facebook ads. So you would find just one example popping in my head, find like business masterminds. So people that are in like masterminds or lead the masterminds, excuse me, and reach out to them and be like, Hey, this is how I grew my business to eight figures. You coach or you have a mastermind of business owners that you you know have in your mastermind. I think if, if you let me come in and train them, I could add value in that way. Mm-hmm. And here, you know, so that's always thinking about it in, in that way. And pretty much any topic you can think of, like you were thinking it, it works for, it should work for anything. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're making me think about some things now. Good. A, a, yeah. yeah, it's a great, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping the, the listeners are, it has done, I, now my, my wheels are turning a little bit. Good. So, that, yeah. That's why I love doing yeah. this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was always thinking awesome. like any book, like for the people watching, like any book back there that you could pick out, I bet we could like figure out their partners, you know, like. I was just thinking the same thing. You could, yeah. you could really kind of leverage the information that's being shared, you know, the target audience, lots yeah. of different things in the book to help to really find the right partners to help with that. Yeah. That's a that's an awesome idea. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. No, I'm happy yeah. to. That's yeah. awesome. So what else have you got going on? What you, any new stuff that you that you have percolating? That's kind of the newest. I mean, we've been doing that for probably like a year and a half, two years, I'm gonna guess the infinite partnership system thing. So that's kind of the new thing because we, you know, after we would have a client hit bestseller and then, you know, maybe get them some media, that's kind of where it ended. So we were like, okay, how do we like increase our like customer lifetime value? And, you know, these people obviously trust us. They're paying us at least five figures, you know, over everything they purchased. So I'm like, they obviously trust us. We delivered Mm -hmm. good work. So it's, it's kind of a shame to just be like, all right, see you later. (laughs) So this infinite partnership system thing, we were like, okay, we have a course, but we also have a scenario where we charge something up front and then take 10% of sales and we actually do it for them. Right. So, and Mm -hmm. a lot of people that are at like the seven, eight figure level, they kind of look at it and they're like, okay, I get the concept. I don't want to deal with taking the course. I don't have time for that or whatever it is. So look, I'll just pay it, just do it for me. And so that's kind of the thing we're really focused on now because that's, you know, as long as they're getting results, that's a forever client, which is kind of the goal of any business is like, how can you serve someone so good that they want to stay and pay you basically forever? So that's what I've been trying to kind of figure out. And I think we have it kind of with this in some sense. I love that you're thinking long-term. There's so many consultants out there that just think about, think of things in chunks. And I love your thinking about, you know, how do, how do you continuously service the, the clients? That's a, yeah. that's a great approach. hundred percent. Yeah. Think yeah. about the biggest businesses in the world, like Netflix, like all, like they're all like subscription most of the time. Mm-hmm. If you have Netflix, like anybody who has Netflix, I, I, you know, my whole family has it. I've never thought of getting rid of it and I don't even yeah, use right. it. it, but <laughs> it's just kind of become something where it's like, 
even if I was down to my last dollars, like I'd probably still keep it. (laughs) Like like obviously if I needed food, I would choose that first, but, but you know what I mean? Where it's just, it's like embedded in our culture. Yeah. Like it's just become a part of your life and they get paid $15 a month from like, to me, it seems like everyone in the world. (laughs) What a good business. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's been really great information. I've I've enjoyed this conversation. I've I've learned a lot myself. I hope the audience is, has learned a lot as well. And we'll we'll get that link dropped into the show notes. So if anyone's interested in that course, they can they can have access to it. So before we go, I always like to ask, what books have inspired you? What one or two books have you read that that you know you've really gotten a lot out of, and you you always recommend? Yeah. So I brought one up earlier was thinking grow rich. And mm-hmm. so it's funny. And I think this happens for a lot of people is once you find one book that really just like hits you, you go on like a binge, at least yeah. that's happened with me. So that was the second book that I read after the first one was four hour work week. And mm-hmm. I, what I mean by, I obviously had read books prior to that, but they were in school when I was younger and none of them right. really for me or meaning like I didn't like them ultimately, but uh, four hour work week was just like mind shattering. And that's what actually got me to decide to drop out of college. And then I remember it actually turned into a little bit of a problem with ordering books. I literally remember my floor just being covered because after I read that and then thinking grow rich, I just went on Amazon. I was just like Tony Robbins, like Alan, what, like every Friedrich Nietzsche, <laughs> like everybody <laughs> just started buying everything. And, but regardless, four hour work week for me was the most impactful. And I do not think I'd be where I am today if I hadn't read that. Cause if I hadn't read it, I probably wouldn't have dropped out at that moment. I think I would have still dropped out right. eventually, but that was the catalyst. So I highly recommend it. If you haven't read it, it's a great just starting point for a lot of entrepreneurs. It is a great book. And I love Tim Ferriss. I listened to his podcast. I, I follow him. He's, you know, he's, he's just got some just phenomenal insights. Yeah. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. And the other one you mentioned, Napoleon Hill, Thinking Grow Rich. It's been around a long time, but it it's one of the standards out it there. Is. I mean, it just, it's, it's such great information that just stands the test of time. It does. It, when okay. you read it, it's so crazy to think how long ago it was that yeah. it was Cause you just think to yourself, you're like this guy and obviously a lot, you know, he learned it from other people a lot, but like, mm-hmm. it's so crazy. Like you feel when you're reading it, you're like, this guy could have wrote this yesterday. Like yeah. that's what it feels like. And you're like, he yeah. was so ahead of his time. Like, yeah, he's like Nost- Nostradamus. Yeah. He really, he really knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could be walking around right now. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, again, thank you so much. I've enjoyed this and I'm looking forward to, I'm going to check out the course myself. I'm, you know, I'm, I want to learn a little bit more about that. It's a great concept. So, but all the information about the, the bestseller list and, you know, using the book to build your business, really, really appreciate it. I think the audience probably is going to get a lot out of that as well. So, so great, great chat. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. All right. So to the audience, thank you so much for joining us. This has been The Author's Way. Thank you.
for listening to the Author's Way podcast. I'd love to hear from you about any future topics you'd like me to cover or other authors you would like to hear from. Head over to my Facebook page, The Author's Way, like that page, and join a community of writers, authors, and fans. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Thanks again, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next time.